How great was that? So uh, if you ever wondered, kind of, where does my money go? It goes there. Changes lives. 40 kids gave their heart to Christ this weekend. Think of that. 40 people left darkness, came into light, left death, came into life. I mean, isn't that fantastic? Now let me ask you another question. How many of you liked the first song? You remember it? You were here? We're going to do that one again at the end, but I just can't not introduce Charles to you. How do you like Charles? Charles Walker. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just think you got another song in you. You got one more in you? Now, don't hold back. I know you're a shy man. Give us a little something, okay, before I preach.
Everything is anticlimactic now. Everything. I don't care what we do, right? So how many of you want Charles back? All right. We'll, we'll figure out how to make that happen. All right. Well, we're in a series on God and business, and we're going to make this exciting, I promise, even for sleepy campers, okay? This is going to be really good, useful stuff. When you go to, after you leave high school, if you go to college, one of the first things they do is they say you have to declare a major somewhere within that probably second or third year. And that word declare, it comes from a Latin word that means to be clear. And so you want to be clear about your future. Now what happens in college is you take the first two years and you party, because it's a paid vacation, right? Parents, this is true. I know you think your child's different. They're not. So you get this paid vacation for two years. Then you focus two years of your life on trying to figure out how to major in something. And then you go get a job that's not even related to anything you did in college. Are we, can we all get an amen on that? That's just how it works. All right. So what we're going to talk about is this idea of making a declaration about your life about your future. If you don't go the college route, it's okay. You still make a declaration. You still look at your future and you say, where am I going and how am I going to know when I get there? In other words, what are my goals? What are my aspirations? What are my dreams? Here's a couple of things I want to just drop in your lap about business. First of all, business is a pipeline for prosperity. The way that you make money is business. And as you, as you learn how business works, it begins to show itself and give evidence of prosperity in your life. And then prosperity brings prosperity. You see, when you help somebody else get in life what they really want, guess what? They're going to help you get in life what you really want as well. And vision is really important. You have to have a vision of where you're going. And so you think about vision. What vision does, it solves a problem. You see, if you look out and you say, I want to do that, and if you answer the question, what problem am I trying to solve? People always buy something that solves a problem. You want faster coffee, a better, you buy a better coffee maker. You want something that's going to cook quicker. You want a better refrigerator. And there's always something that can be improved and built upon. And vision, watch this, brings provision. It brings something to it. Vision is something out in the future. Vision is something you're moving toward, and it's a goal that you want to achieve in the future. And we're going to talk about that today. And here's another great thought, and I'm going to say this over and over again. Your future is dependent upon somebody else. Nobody prospers alone. You help somebody else, they help you. That's why we call it a business connection, right? We say, I'm connecting with you. And you hope that that's going to leverage your situation to be better. But it's only going to help if you're giving back as much as you're getting in return. So you keep moving this thing in that direction. So here's the first thing I want you to, to think about. And uh, for you students, this is really important because if you can get this first thought and work it really hard for your life, it's going to be amazing. Pay attention to the idea that won't leave you alone. Pay attention to the idea that won't leave you alone. So all of a sudden you say, wouldn't it be great if, or I can imagine this, and then a lot of times we lose the inspiration and we don't make the application. But if you say, if I could just do that, take that idea. If it keeps coming back to you, keeps coming back to you, invest in it. Allow it to become a part of your life. And just kind of keep nurturing it, nurturing it. In uh, the book of Habakkuk, how many have ever read Habakkuk? 
couple of you. How many of you could spell Habakkuk backwards? Now, I can't. Let me tell you how you spell Habakkuk. H-A-B, period. You just kind of abbreviate it all the time. Habakkuk chapter 1 and verse 1, it says this. The burden which the prophet Habakkuk saw. You ever had a burden? We think about burden as something negative, right? It's like, a, like oh, man, I got this burden. But actually, the Hebrew word for burden is the word prophecy. It's the idea of something with life in it. And so when you have a burden, you see, I see an opportunity. You see, your misery is your ministry. Your misery can be your vocation. It can be your future. It can be your future prosperity. And if you stop, stop looking at a burden as a burden in typical sense and say, no, this is an opportunity, I'm going to really get into this burden and see what I can develop out of it. There's three things that that little Hebrew word has connected to it. One is you have to feel it. When you begin to feel that idea, it begins to take some legs. It begins to get strong in you. And some of you right now, your mind's spinning with an idea. Some of you are going to do some amazing things with your life, and it's not because you're better than somebody else. It's because you took an idea and you pursued it with all your heart. You didn't give up. You took everything you had and you poured it into that single idea, and it manifests itself in your life in victory, in promise, in prosperity, in success, or whatever else you're looking for in your life. Next thing, you got to see it. When you begin to see it in your mind, you begin to say, no, I can see that unfolding. I literally see a picture unfolding of my future. I see myself standing on a stage. I see myself sitting at a desk. I see myself inventing something. I see myself doing that. My uncle was a pretty famous inventor. He had 52 patents to his name, and he really never made any money on them because he worked for a large corporation. But I asked him one time, I said, uh, his name was Hank. I said, Uncle Hank, how did you come up with those ideas? He said, I just got these ideas, and I just let them just roll in my mind and roll in my mind until I finally figured out how to do them. Well, you made it so simple. I mean, how can it be that simple? But you see, it was his idea. It was his passion. It was his burden. And then you also have to hear it. When you begin to hear your vision, when it begins to speak to you in the middle of the night, it wakes you up and goes, that's it, and that's it, then you get up and you just begin to keep developing that idea, that burden all along the way. Next thing is change your level of expectation. You know, everyone, everyone here probably has an expectation of some kind on 2020, right? You're kind of looking at 2020 going, it's going to be great. It's going to be like it was last year. It's going to be worse than last year. It's going to be 10 times better. But if you haven't done that yet, I want you right now on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your expectation, 10 being the highest, what's your expectation of 2020? Shout it out. Shout the number out. Hey, a lot of 10s. Anything else? Anybody got some 7s? Anybody 7s in here? A few 7s. Any 5s? Okay, no, no one would admit to a five. Okay, here's what I want you to do. What if you take your expectation, whatever it is, and you go up one more number? If it's 10, you're going to 11. If it's five, you're going to six. If it's seven, you're going to eight. But you up your level of expectation, and guess what? It will become prophetic in your life. You'll begin to see what you hear, what you feel, and what you see in your mind. And as you begin to allow your spirit to develop that, it's going to be really super powerful in your life. So here's what Habakkuk writes in chapter 2. God says to him, write the vision and make it plain on tablets. So here's what he's telling the prophet. You need to write it down. 
You ever, you ever had an idea when you go to bed and you go like, that's a great idea. I'm not going to forget that idea. And then what do you do? You forget the idea, right? And so that happens to me all the time. I'm sitting there going, this is a great idea, and I've got, but I'll never forget this one. And God goes, yes, you will. Get up and go write it down. I go, no. I'm not getting up. Bed feels good. <laughs> have you ever had that experience? He said, God goes, fine. I'll just make you have to go to the bathroom. I go, oh, oh, I'm getting up. I might as well write that down. But you see, what happens is when you write it down, you're writing in advance something you're going to visit because you get up in the morning and there it is waiting for you. There's the vision that God gave you in the middle of the night about your future, and he wants you to grab it and do something with it. Keep cultivating it. When you plant a plant, you just can't plant it and let it go. you got to water it. you got to fertilize it. you got to do all that kind of stuff. If you neglect it, you come back to plants dead. Your idea is the same way. Plant it, water it, fertilize it throughout your lifetime. If God gives you some new revelation, then go with that. But don't ever just neglect it because you don't know what to do with it. Keep cultivating it. Keep letting it move. Make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. You want to have the kind of vision that make people want to run to see it. They get so excited about what you want to do, they're going, are you kidding me? i got to see if you can do this. When you make a declaration about a vision, guess what? you got to come through. A lot of people don't ever make a declaration. They don't ever cast a vision like that because they don't, they're afraid they're going to fail. Hey, the only failure is the one who see, doesn't make a vision. That's when you fail. You say, well, I, I failed. I tried. Try again. You see, if you fall down, make sure you fall in the direction of your vision. Are you with me on this? That's good. That's a good statement. I, I expect a little bit more talking from that. Because the better you talk, the better I preach. The less you talk, the longer I preach. I knew I'd get you one way or the other. All right. Amen. All right. So when you want to fall, get ready, it's coming. You want to fall if you fall in the direction of your vision. That's about a five. Let me try it again. When you fall, if you fall, you're going to fall in the direction of your vision. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. All right. So for the vision is yet for an appointed time. Do you realize that God has appointments for you? You ever put something in your calendar, I got an appointment. I can't do that. I got an appointment. God put in his calendar an appointment for you. And he says, I've got success for you. I've got something for you in the future. It's on your calendar. Now, you can miss your appointment. You can forget about your appointment. You can blow off your appointment. But it's only going to hurt you because God says, i got an appointed time for you. I've got something waiting for you, and at the end, it's going to speak. You know what happens when you start to cast vision? It starts talking to you. Going, hey, how we're doing? We're great. Have you ever, you ever had this dialogue with yourself? And all of a sudden, your vision's talking to you. You know, you're close. You know, if you just push a little harder, just do this, this, and this, this. And you'd be surprised what it'll do. It says it will speak, and it will not lie. Do you know that when you cast a vision, it never lies to you? It shows up. You go, you didn't hit it. Doesn't lie. You hit it. Doesn't lie. You almost got there. Doesn't lie. It never lies to you. That's why I write it down. You say, well, what if I don't make it? So work a little harder. Push a little more. Get in there. See what can happen. It says, though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. So it says, your vision, you ca it's coming. You can accelerate the speed of reaching your destination, or you can delay it. But if you accelerate it, it's going to come quicker and quicker. So cast the vision. 
One of the things we do is we, we like to talk about writing our vision, and we use a, a planning tool here we developed, and I'm going to put it up here on the wall, and I'm going to show you how this works. And in this planning tool, there's two columns that are pretty important, and one is called obstacles, and uh, one is called strategy. Now, I'm going to show you how this works. So what you do, take a picture of this so you'll have it because it's really, it, it really is a good tool. So you put in here, what's your goal? So I'm going to put in there, our, my goal for today is we want 100 people to participate in One Day LA, our mission endeavor to LA this summer. So I want 100 people. So today's date, I put it in there. And then my target date will be the day of the event itself. And I think it's in June, end of June. Is that right, Jesse? End of July. Okay. So end of July. So that's my target date. So I'm going to go over here. That's my goal, 100 people. What are my obstacles? Well, some people don't want to go. You're laughing. You're the ones. Okay. <laughs> don't want to go. Remember when the teacher used to ask questions and you'd put your head down and she thought, you thought he or she couldn't see you? Strategy never worked, did it? Like the head goes down, they go, that one's guilty, I know. So I don't want to go. So my strategy is some of you don't want to go. Some of you say, I don't see the need. Why? It's right there. They got TV and churches and all that kind of stuff. And if you can actually look at L.A. and think there isn't a need, there's something wrong with you, amen? I mean, there's some need there, amen? And so I go, okay, well, there's, there's that. And then, oh, but it costs money. But it doesn't cost like Peru because it costs less because guess what? It's local. So you don't have to fly to do that. So now the cost is less. So I've got obstacles. And I go through and I get 10 obstacles. Then I create a strategy for each one of them. Don't want to go. So I come up with a strategy to convince you to go. <laughs> that might be put you in a headlock guilt you, shame you, I mean, whatever I have to do to get you going, but I'll get 100 of you going, okay? Uh, and then I say, okay, well, uh, is there really a need? Well, that one's pretty easy. I think we can convince that one. I, I come up with a strategy. And then on money, I say, okay, well, if you can't afford to go, then maybe others will pay your way. So what I do is I've got all these things working. Now my next step, watch this, is I never look at these again. I don't have obstacles in my life. I only have strategies. This is so powerful, guys, because what happens is what trips you up on your vision are your obstacles, because you're always saying, well, I can't because, I can't because. No, what you say is I can because I have a strategy. Here's my strategy in moving forward in each of these areas of my life. Then, and we don't have the backside, but if you flip it over, the first column on the other side is strategy. So you never look, even at these you've X'd out, you never look at it again, okay? So what you have is I'm just focusing on strategy. Then I ask the question, who? Who's going to help me reach this goal? And I begin to write names down of people in each one of those strategies. It's not, there, there aren't people going to help you with every aspect of that. Who's going to help me, for example, with money, if, if others need money? Well, I, I know some of you are just you love to support people to go on mission trips. And I'll come to you and I'll say, hey, do you think you can support 10 kids? They go, yeah, I, I can do that. I'll cover that one. That one's done. Okay? That's part of my strategy. Another part of my strategy on raising the money would say, hey, church, we've got 30 people who want to go and they can't afford to go. Can you help us go? And they go, yeah, we can do that. And this is such a generous church. That always works. It always kind of plays out that way. So I put the who in there. Well, who's going to help me convince people? Well, then I can go to our link groups. 
and I go to our link group leaders, and I can say, link group leaders, can you talk to everybody in your group? So we have about 40-plus link groups right now. We hope to go up in that number. We hope you'll be a link group leader. If you haven't considered it yet, I want you to consider it before you leave. Go see Pastor Bethany, and she'll give you all the info on that. But I go to the link group leaders. I say, Bethany, can you talk to all of them and see how many of those would be willing to go to One Day LA and serve as a missionary for a week in helping to make an impact in the city that's just adjacent to the orange curtain. Right? And so you see how the strategy works? Okay, so you write it down and then speak it. Then you speak it. Okay, now, now how many of you ever heard this term? Psycholinguistics. Kind of a cool term, right? Psycholinguistics. It kind of makes sense. Got something to do with your mind. Got something to do with your mouth. Exactly. Let me read something to you. It's important not only to confess something, but how you confess it makes all the difference in the world. Do you know in the Bible it says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart, there's the how, that God has raised him from the dead, here's the promise, you will be saved. Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, there's a condition, you begin to feel it, you begin to experience it, you will be saved. So read on what he says. If you simply confess something, it goes into your personal belief system at about 10%. If you confess it with your imagination, you begin to see that thing play out. You can, you can, you're just painting the picture. Uh, your, your personal belief system retains it at about 55%. If you confess it with your imagination and emotion, it will go into your personal belief system at 100%. Most of the time, we don't fail because we don't know how or we don't have resources. Is We haven't convinced ourselves. You've got to convince you about your future in order to reach that destination. Now, let me take you to this. Here's the third thing. Identify the kingdom connection. So in every business, everything you're doing, you should say, here's how I connect the dots for the kingdom of God. So identify the kingdom connection, 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, I has not seen nor ear heard what has entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. All right, I want you to think about the greatest things you could ever do or have in your life. You got them? Just one or two. Got them? God says, I got, I got more than that for you. But I've prepared it for you. I remember growing up, my, my mom would say, uh, hey, I'm preparing dinner. And then she would call. and She'd say, Phil, come on. It's dinner time. Now, if you're a self-respecting young man, you ignore that plea at least three times. Am I right? But when she adds your full first name and your middle name, you know that it's really, really close to your own destruction. So when she says, Philip Wayne, Hudson Peller, you come home now, I know it's serious. Because she's prepared something for me. She went to all that trouble, and she wants me to come and get it while it's hot. God has prepared something for you. He wants you to come get it while it's hot. Don't make him use your middle name. Amen? Now, my mom used to say when she'd send me out, now, don't you eat any junk food. So you spoil your dinner. Are you with me on this? Hey, if I'm a kid and some other kid's got junk food, what do I do? I eat it, and then what do I tell my mom? Nothing. 
Do you eat any? No, I'm just not hungry, Mom. I don't know. I've been working hard, been out there studying, you know, been running with the boys. I mean, I just don't have any room. No, I filled up with junk food. Sometimes the reason you can't fulfill God's plan for your life is you filled up with junk food, stuff that wouldn't sustain you, wouldn't nourish you, wasn't guided by the hand of God at all. It was just what you filled up, and then God put it in front of you. You go, I just can't. I don't have time. I can't resonate with it. I don't know what to do with it, and all of that stuff. And really what it comes down to, you just got full of the wrong stuff. Just say, say this after me, I'm full of the wrong stuff. I want to get it out of me. Amen? Okay, now, let's move on here. God is prepared for those who love him, but God has revealed them. Now, look at this. God has revealed those things that he's prepared for you to us through his spirit, for the spirit searches all things, yes, even the deep things of God. So you know what the spirit of God's doing right now in your heart? He's searching out your heart. He's searching out your mind. He's searching out your desires. And he says, you know, well, I'm going to put my finger on the things that are going to really be powerful for you. And if you listen to me, write them down. If God tells you something, write it down. Because I'm speaking right now. I'm, sometimes God whispers, but God never nags. I'm gonna tell it, I'm gonna give you something, what are you gonna do with it? I'm gonna give you something, what are you gonna do with it? Some of the greatest ideas, seriously, have come out of moments like this where you just heard somebody and just, you may have missed out on the entire message, but one thing you go, that was it. That's the one thing that I need to hold on to. That's the one thing I need because he's preparing. And use reason in your life, but rely on revelation. Don't let reason be the whole reason you do something. Say, oh, I'm going to reason through it. I'm going to think through it. But God, would you speak to me through this thing? When we were getting ready to buy this building, the entire uh, building was owned by the United States Postal Service, and uh, they wanted to downsize, and so they were going to sell this building and move that, that business to another place. And there were eight different companies that were competing for this particular property. They all had more money. They were all better qualified than we were. And, uh, and the night before we signed it, I just said, I just feel like we should put in the contract that we're going to give leaseback space to the Postal Service. Because I'm going to practice this idea that if I help enough other people get in life what they want, they're going to help me. Post Office said, we'd love to stay there we said, we'll take care of all the construction so we don't have to pay government prices on you doing it, all the TI. We did all of it. We kept them open. They never missed a day of work. And guess what? Every year, for 10 years on that lease, they're paying us money. Reason says, buy the building. It'll work. Revelation says, offer them leaseback space. We are the only one that offered them leaseback space out of eight. It's reasonable for a church to have a coffee shop. We had a coffee shop. We served average coffee. We had volunteers and we lost money. I don't even know how that works. How is it possible to have volunteers and lose money? We're not giving the coffee away. We're losing money. I got so frustrated with it, I said, close it down until we figure it out. We could have made more money by going over to that other coffee shop with the green lady on it, whose name I cannot pronounce within the, in the earshot of this one. We could, have bought, we could have made more money by buying coffee and giving it away free. And so reason, I found someone who was, it was reasonable for them to come in there and take over the coffee shop and lease space from us. It was reasonable. 
And it just, I was working too hard. And I just kind of stepped back, and God gave me revelation of, the, of Bodie Leaf being here through another person. Went to him, stood in the back there with Steve Sims, the owner of Bodie Leaf. And I said, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to have a coffee shop where people can come and connect with one another. And I don't want it to be a Christian coffee shop. I want it to be a marketplace coffee shop. Where if you engage someone in a natural, normal relationship and the opportunity comes to talk about Christ, you can. And with tears streaming down his face says, it doesn't make any sense for me to put a coffee shop in here, but I'm going to. Reason, revelation. You operate with both. Use your success for eternal rewards. When God begins to put the pieces together, when you start becoming successful, ask yourself, how do I take that and push the kingdom of God forward? Not how do I build bigger barns for myself. How do I push the kingdom of God forward? Now remember, sometimes it's tough. Remember that scripture? Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, Psalm 23, not exactly an encouraging verse, right? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And my question is always, God, why do we have to go this way? Isn't there a better route? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. So I'm walking through, I'm walking through the valley, I'm going, I got Jesus with me, this is a good thing. He's got a rod and a staff, this is a good thing. Thou preparest, and thou, thou walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And I'm getting to the end, and he's going, I'm going, hey, should we turn back Jesus? I mean, it's looking a little bit, a little shaky right now. Should we turn back? No, the Father has prepared something for you. He's got a table. It's hot. Are you with me? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table for me. There it is. He's prepared it in the presence of my enemies. God, why did you have the enemies come and watch us eat dinner together? Because I want you dependent on me and not on your circumstances. Because you're always going to have enemies surrounding you. You're always going to have conflicts. You're always going to have problems. I want you knowing that you can be in the middle of the greatest problem and have peace of mind. And so he says, okay, I'm, I'm going. And then we sit down at the table. All the enemies are looking on while Jesus is pouring the glass to the place it's overflowing, anointing my head with oil. I'm going, this is getting good, getting good. And he says, oh, it's not over yet. He said, because we shall dwell in the house of the Lord. You want an upgrade on your house? You go in the Lord's house. You go in the Lord's house, he's got a house for you, fully prepared. Yeah, but I, I'm a little worried about those enemies. When we get up from the table, what am I going to do? God sends his two police dogs, grace and mercy. Now, grace and thy mercy, they follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So I'm going through all of a sudden, my enemies strike out. I got two police dogs, and I strike them with what? Grace and mercy. Not revenge. Grace and mercy. Come up against me. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Because guess what? You got grace. You got mercy. Give it, to, give it away. Amen. Say grace and mercy. Doesn't it feel good? All right, now, 
I started writing these prophetic blessings, declarations uh, a few years ago, and when I get enough of them, I know, Rosie, oh, you, you're, you're going to send me a text after this. You need to put all these in a book. I will when I get enough. But I write these things out, and, and if you're not familiar with this, the idea of a prophetic blessing or declaration is something that, that God gives me to pronounce on you, and if it, if it resonates with you, and if you receive it, then it becomes something that empowers you in moving forward. Amen? So I have this one up here, and I'm going to have us uh, uh, say this together. And if it resonates with you, remember, you, you can confess it. It hits about 10%. You put imagination and emotions. You can move from, from 10 to 55 to 100% of your life. Right? So here's how it goes. Let's look at the screens. Repeat after me. And by the way, if you say this like you mean it, are you with me? All right, let's try it. God created me to see visions and to dream great dreams. The obstacles that I find in my way only serve to strengthen me for God's glory. I will rise above the challenges of everyday life and prove that I am an image bearer of the Most High God. I submit my business and its success to God. I will honor God in my life and in my business that he may prosper me and advance his kingdom through me. His word is my strength and his spirit is my power. The darkness is powerless because of the blood of the lamb I refuse to fear, and I choose power. If you receive it, just say, I receive it. See, when you say that, say it like you mean it. I receive it. Amen. You know, one of the great things that happens on this weekend, obviously, is all our students come, and they're all here, and they've got all this enthusiasm, and, and it really wouldn't be possible without uh, the great leadership we have. And I'm just going to have uh, our two youth pastors come up on stage. you guys about five days to recover from this but uh, just give us quick, quick word each of you what what's the highlight that what moved your heart what what happened I think camp usually our last night we have lots of response time and it it started just the first thing on Friday night with Pastor Drew's message it was powerful and the students entered right into worship and salvation and um, yeah it was great yeah I love seeing um, just the interactions um, amongst yourself. You guys have such a gift with each other because so many people do this life alone and to lean on one another, your brothers and sisters, and to see the breakthrough that happened this weekend is just why we do it. So thank you guys. Thank your small group leaders as well. Yeah. Love you guys. Yeah, and all of you who went as leaders, just raise your hand. If you went as a leader, raise your hand. God bless you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Not possible without you.